And we're back, people. We are back. Your favorite. Literally, check the background, baby. I'm legit. <laughs> Rolling with Ramos, episode 112. I happen to be the one that holds the last name Ramos. I like to specifically thank my daddy for that one. Mike Ramos in heaven. I love you so very much. And I miss you every single day. Episode 112. Current on this day. In 2017, <laughs> Black History Moment on this day in 2017, I would embark on what would be the first episode, ever episode, episode one, the Cam Newton edition. That, that would be the first episode of your favorite sports podcast, Roaming the Airways, Rolling with Ramos. Time has passed. The journey continues. I would like to thank you guys for <clears throat> when I embarked on this, I wanted to show sports through my eyes and how I saw it, how I like to enjoy talking about it, being about it. And I just wanted to be accepted in doing that. Four years down the road, you guys have consistently shown me that what I do and how I see it is not in vain and there's nothing wrong with it. Every week, you guys tune in, you comment, you share us, you, you like us, you, 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 you become so involved to the point that if I say nothing about something, you come and find me. Co-hosts have changed, co-hosts have stayed the same because I couldn't do it and I couldn't go anywhere. I, 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 I wish when I had the idea at first that I would have called my boy Tristan. But in true essence of how he would say anyway, God knows what he's doing when it's time to do it, right? right. So, right. see, I've, I'm learning something. There so, you, <laughs> you are here when you are supposed to be here. I am in, totally indebted to you and what you do for this show and the time that you spend. He pushes this whole me thing to us as is we. I get it, <laughs> but I, I, can't, I can't do this without you. Four years. Congratulations. Congrats to you. Congrats to you. You know, um, it's definitely, you know, a long time. And, you know, it's when you when you do stuff like this, um, there's so many different shows, um, podcasts and, and stuff like that, that people, uh, they don't get to um, last this long. It's, it's always for like a spell. And, uh, you know, also don't get to develop and grow the way they would like, you know, we, we gone from, you know, sitting on people's couches with a little mixer and uh, two microphones to, um, you know, being in studios to, uh, uh, you know, with the pandemic happening, we resorting to using our phones to do Zoom and stuff like that. And, and, and uh, you know, people hoping that they catch us on, on the Facebook page and all that stuff. Now we got a YouTube channel. We got podcast channels, uh, you know, on, on everything, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, everything. So we're out there. We And then, you know, going from when it was just us rocking to having friends of ours that was into sports, then having athletes, you know, professional athletes to come on the show and having notable, you know, sports analysts and all that stuff come on to the show. So it's just not just the fact that we've lasted this long, but the fact that we, um, we've been growing and continuously growing. And so, you know, it's just a testament to your resilience. Um, 
you know, you keeping, you know, keeping on, keeping on, even when, you know, personal things happen, uh, personal tragedies happen, you, you kept pushing and, um, you know, like I said, any way I can help, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to help. I get to talk about sports all day and, uh, and, you know, do this thing. So it's, it's pretty cool. So thank you for asking me on, uh, years ago and it's been fun and we're just going to keep, keep this thing going, keep it growing. Tristan will tell you, I'm at the brink every week of what the hell are we doing? Is it working? <laughs> is it going? Is it, is, do we need to do, do I need to do more? Um, this sports broadcasting, broadcasting industry has taken me to my highest of highs as much as I love it and to my lowest of lows and to make me have a thin line between love and hate with it. But I, I, I love it more than I, than I can say I hate it. And um, I, I remember the exact day I picked up the phone and texted you. Someone else yep. said they couldn't roll along with me. I was still working at the Four Seasons then. Yep. I sat in the back of a hallway hallway stall. I was in uh, the I was in a stairwell, and I texted you, and you said, "Give me, give me a couple minutes. Let me think over it, and let me see what I can do, and let me see if I can do it." You texted me, I went back in the stairwell and I held that phone and I said, if he doesn't can't do it, I don't know what am I gonna do? <laughs> and I thought about it and it took me a minute to open your message and you said you were on board and my hand stopped shaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. thank you. And wow, um, you talk about that, it's crazy. We went from being in a friend's couch being not waiting for them to get home and then you had to abide by the rules of somebody's house and then 7 30 yep. became 8 39 o'clock we weren't getting home till 12 1 o'clock all of us have jobs where we worked in the morning so i had to live with the fact that i knew y'all were gonna be tired in the morning i was gonna be tired in the morning we couldn't do this show nobody was here for that show did the show even even load uh did yeah yeah <laughs> Man, we lost some good episodes. <laughs> we lost some good audio. Um, then to get into some studios and got and then had to get into the studio and then wait for the person to be done. So 7:30 turned into 8:30 again. Then finally we got our own studio. We're bounced out of that studio. Was told couldn't yep. be in there. Got another opportunity. And that studio, the last studio we were in was perfect. Perfect. And it was about to go down because what we were about to do to that studio, Tristan's co coming all the way from Virginia to come in. Mm -hmm. It kind of works now because you don't have to go through the, go to the extremes of traveling anymore, even though we've we're missing the camaraderie and the next to each other. Um, and then COVID hit and then that stopped everything. Then it was a recreation of how, how are we gonna do this? And Zoom wasn't even that big at the beginning of COVID. At the time. At the time and then Facebook wasn't doing it. It wasn't letting us be on the same video. And then Instagram mm -hmm. had one video for like an hour and then you cut off, come back. We couldn't do that because we a full hour show. Oh, we've been through something. I know a lot of people wouldn't want to hear this, but when COVID hit and they shut everybody down, if Joe Biden was to say tomorrow, cause New Zealand out there having concerts, baby. <laughs> if Joe Biden was to say tomorrow, we shutting everything back down. We're gonna try this again. I don't, I would, it's a little bit more freedom now. It's not as much freedom as I would like it to be, but it's a little bit more freedom. But if he was to say I'm shutting it down tomorrow, I wouldn't be so bad. 
because it would take us back to a time where we can do stuff again that we had put off. Right. Now that I'm back in the hustle and bustle, I don't know about you, but I'm putting stuff to the side again or trying to find a time to get it done again. And COVID gave you nothing but time to do. And what we were able to do on that time and cultivating rolling rainbows is the things that we weren't able to do. And um, this background being one of them. So <laughs> <laughs> listen, four in the making, you know, I can't wait for the celebration. It's lit, so I can't get you no cupcakes. We gotta wait. Cause I gave up sweets for lit people, but uh, cool. <laughs> in true right. Ramos fashion, you know I like a party. We will have a meal. Uh, so, I, hey, four years. What can I say? It's awesome. We're gonna keep it rolling. And in saying that, cause you always know what to say to help me transition. Let's get into the sports, <laughs> shall we? Tennis. Let's do it. Naomi Osaka versus Serena Williams. We yeah. all know you saw the match, so I, we don't have to go into the dividends of that. But Naomi defeats Serena Williams in straight sets, 6-3, 6-4, to earn a spot in the Australian Open Finals. She would go on to win that, beating 22-seed American Jennifer Brady. Osaka, who also beat Williams in the chaotic 2018 U.S. Open Final, reached her fourth major title match and stretched her fourth winning streak to 20 matches by claiming the last eight points. I don't know if there's any little kids out here today, but I was a little kid watching her play. Osaka said at 23, she said about Williams 39. And just to be on the court playing against her for me is a dream. Osaka joined two other players to win each of their first major meetings against Serena Williams. Williams's sister Venus won their first three major meetings at the 1998 Australian Open, 2000 Wimbledon and the 2001 US Open. The other is Jennifer Capriati at the 2009 French Open in 2001 Wimbledon, according to ESPN Stats and Information Research. Now, Tristan, for as long as we've been describing Naomi, we always say in quotations, the next up, or we always describe her as the coming, the future. But uh, that time has seemed to pass. I think she's she's ultimately solidified herself as someone that's being a stable fixture in tennis. She's Mrs. She's Miss right now, or are we calling her the future of tennis for years to come? Let's talk about her emergence. Um. Yeah. You know, one thing I love about her is just her her uh, humility um, through everything. She's very she's very humble um, and very appreciative. You could see the you can see the, the the innocence when she does her interviews and stuff, but we're also starting to see more that she's she's starting to come into her own and she's starting to understand who she really is in this game and in society um, in general, just the way she speaks out. But what was never in question was her play um, on the court. It was she she was fierce from the moment she got on. She was fierce, and uh, and I I do believe we always say like, oh, she's she's next up. She's the the rising star, you know, the rising star. She's going to be the the one that carries the mantle after Serena. But I I do believe that she has arrived. And when you, especially when you look at um, when you look at what she's done, um, how she won, the dominance that she displayed, you know, at that age to have that kind of, it, you can expect the quickness. You can expect the, the the twitch and the shiftiness that she has on the court, 
But I think what people are really underestimating is the power that she has at that age. You know, she's not even peaking it as far as her prime yet. And the power that she displays is incredible. And um, I think that she is now understanding that she is it now. She is the, the one, she's the star, she's the face of women's tennis and, and tennis as a whole, really, because we don't, outside of, you know, we don't have, uh, we don't, we can't honestly say another uh, Nadal or Federer. We don't know, we don't know who that next yeah. guy is, but she is the face of tennis as we, as we stand now. She even flexed a little bit. You that 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 video of her with the Lakers jersey with Kobe's jersey on it with the yeah. trophy and look real Tom Brady, we ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Um, humbly and rightfully so, if we can put it on this side, because in watching her, even watching her handle all that controversy last year with Serena yeah. and the points and the and 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 her winning and 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 it was looking like everybody was talking about Serena. She still handled it correctly, but when we yeah. talk about Serena and um and, and Naomi, this is where this match becomes important. And, and we got to read a little bit more into Serena when we talk about this, Tristan. Once again, okay. Serena Williams came within reach of a record time 24th Grand Slam singles title. She just can't seem to get it, Tristan. Once again, mm. Williams couldn't get it done. Number three seeded Osaka's Grand Slam collection includes last year's U.S. Open and the 2019 Australian Open. And she is without a doubt the most dangerous hardcore player in women's in the women's game today. That used to be Williams, of course, but she was off target too much in the contest, finishing with twice as many unforced errors, 24 as the winners, 12. I could have won. I could have been up five love, said Williams, who instead took a 2-0 lead at the outset before dropping the next five games. I just made so many errors. After collecting her professional era record 23 Grand Slam trophies at Melbourne Park while pregnant in 2017, Williams has reached four major finals and not and it has lost them all. She also now has lost in major semifinals twice during that span. We also saw the post-game interview. Yep. We also saw the tears and how she left. Um the tears and the frustration, a lot of people made a lot about this. And if we talk about Naomi and the next of coming and the person that's going to be in, in a chair for years to come in tennis, a lot of people made a big thing about her leaving that interview in tears and frustration. So now you, we have to dissect it. Is it, a lot can be said about it in context and why she was upset, but are we seeing, this is one side, are we seeing a Serena Williams that was down in regards to her performance? the relentless desire to get the 24th after a lot of people said that she, while pregnant, she was done. She couldn't get it done anymore. Here she still is. The relentlessness to get the 24 to resurge herself. It's crazy. I, she has to resurge herself to being on top as if she's, I mean, she's not the same. She's not there to a degree as she was in the ranking, but there is no tennis without talking Serena Williams. I don't care how high ranked you are over her if you see her coming on the roster to play her next you're not taking that lightly so are we seeing were we seeing tears of frustration and not being able to get it done on that single day and all the implications that it meant and losing to a naomi again and, and and what that may have meant or to those that may think this 
if those are saying this? Are we seeing the decline and the drop? Are we looking at someone who has fact has in fact come to her wit's end with a sport that she's loved and has dominated for so long and seeing that she's no longer there anymore? Where do you where do you reside? I reside in frustration. Um, I don't think she is. I, I, when I watched it, and I watched it a few times because I really wanted to see if, you know, I'm not a psychologist. You, you know, could have fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't predict the, I can't predict what's in the brain. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't analyze it to that extent. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I can, but I watched it a few times to see if there was anything that looked like it. And, and I, I think it was more so frustration. I think it was frustration at the fact that she couldn't channel enough to get over. I think it was frustration at the fact that she knew she knows that that question that was asked, she's gonna, for, she's gonna get that question until the next time she wants to compete. Like that's gonna be the question on everybody's mind until she's ready to compete again. Are you going to retire? Was that your last match? How do you feel that might be your last match? How, you're talking about someone that had to overcome so many obstacles, not only being um, um, being a woman in general, but being a black woman that's, that's we call the GOAT. And when we call her the GOAT, we don't say the GOAT as in women. We're talking about arguably the greatest athlete we've ever seen, you know, and she's had to carry that mantle for so long and how people, you know, came down on her and thinking she was going to retire when she had Olympia and, and thinking, well, you're a mother now, your body's not going to do, you know, what it's supposed to do. You're not going to be able to ask it to do what it used to do. And now they're looking at it. Well, you're getting up there in age, your body can't channel where, where it used to go in, in that pit anymore. It, it might not be able to get there. I think all that was frustration. I think just the losing, cause you know, she's, she's a sore loser and I, and I don't, and I mean that in the most uh, admirable way possible. I don't. I, she's a sore loser, and I, and there's nothing negative about that. Like she just hates to lose. She takes it personally, and I love it. So uh, I think just the fact that she lost, the fact that those are the questions that's going to be asked. I feel like she feels that she got some more in there. I think 24 does haunt her a bit. Um, you know, it's just a lot, a lot of different things. So I, I just feel like it was more so frustration. It didn't seem like she was settling in and saying, okay, I'm content. It, it didn't feel like that from her. I think she's still going to try and give it another go. She's going to take a break. She's going to be with her family. She's going to be with her husband. She's going to be with her daughter. She's going to take time. But I think she has all intentions to go after this again. Do you think she kind of created the narrative a little bit with the, the with the thanking of the Australian crowd? Shout out to America again. Look at Australia. How many people was in there to be able to enjoy that? And we can't even go in a restaurant. But anyway, think, <laughs> do you I think she created that? The goodbye to the Australian crowd, the waving? Or is that just media looking for a way to... I can't say this. It's hard to say this. Is it just the media or is it just tennis in general trying to find a way to figure out when she'll be done, when she'll be gone? That's what it is. It's, it's the media That's hard and to say. it's tennis. 
It's the media and it's tennis. You just they're just trying to figure out, okay, when when is it gonna be over? They do the same thing with LeBron. It's the same thing. What everybody's just looking, okay, when when is he gonna call it a career? When you get to a certain age, and and you know, it's such it's such a cynical thought. When you get to a certain age, you've been great for so long, and then you get to a certain age, and now instead of instead of us as fans appreciating, because regardless of us being media people or the people that, that specifically talk about specific sport, we all start off as fans. So instead of being a fan and just appreciating somebody being great for being great, you know, we are wondering when they're going to retire. We do it to Tom Brady. When, oh, is this it? Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl. They already asking him, is this it? They asked him at the podium, is, are, you, are you coming back for one more? Are you, are you doing it again? He's like, you, you knew. You know I was coming back. When, I didn't say anything different that we're always looking to push out these great athletes and cast them onto the wayside. Or, or like they say in the old Westerns, you put them out to pasture. Like we're so quick to do that instead of just appreciating them for being great and being here. Like look at what Serena had to do to even get there, to even get to that point at her age. It's never been done at that level at her age. But instead of us appreciating the fact that she was doing this after, after, you know, having a baby, years after having a baby, at the age that she's at, all the, the the tread on the tires that she's kicked for the years that she's competed at this high, high level, instead of us appreciating that, we're wondering when she's going to be out the door. That's not fair. These guys, these, these, these athletes don't know when they're, when you're great like that, it's a, it's a level of obsession that you have when you're that great. There's a, there's, they are a little unhinged when you, it, it, that's what it takes. And so for you to humanize them by saying, so when are you going to retire? They can't handle that. If, if that's not in their head, they don't want to hear that from us. So I, that's why I said, I feel like it was more so frustration. It's like, did I say I wanted to retire? Did I call it a career? No. And it's part, it's part of why when Serena was like, if I felt like I was going to retire, I probably won't tell anybody because it's not, I'm not giving you the satisfaction that I'm leaving. I will leave on my own terms when I feel like it, but I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of declaring that I'm leaving. Some people, we take it gracefully. Kobe Bryant announced it, did his whole tour. Dwayne Wade announced his, he did his whole tour. Vince Carter did it. Some people take it gracefully. Ray Lewis did it for the playoffs before they won the Super Bowl. Saying his last Some people take it gracefully. Some of them, they're like, no. When I'm done is when you don't see me. That's when I'm done. I'm not giving you this whole thing. And even then, with those guys, you speak about Kobe and all, even if it's a distinct injury, we've, we're watching you, we've seen you, you're not the same guy, then boom, you tear your Achilles. I don't care if I had to walk off here with the torn Achilles. I'm leaving when I'm ready. I'm not, it, you, you can't. Us as fans and 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 uh, media personalities, we like to declare someone's end so quickly because we can't handle not seeing them look the same as they used to. No matter how much they've reinvented their careers or anything like that, it's okay exactly. for guys like Tom. With Tom Brady, we're looking for when he's going to stop. And the the realness of it is the longevity that he's created nobody has paid attention to we're exactly. still i mean we're still saying some people are still saying well he's 40 something at some point you're 40 something when are you going to stop he knows he's 40 he knows he looks 40 but look what he just did and this is all you guys can still talk about 
You damn exactly. right I'm coming for one more. I just told you that I could do that. So I don't know when sports is going to ultimately uncare about your demise towards the end. We can't, if I've been doing something for so long, my body and me are all going to be the only ones that's going to tell me no. Like, I think people don't, I think people don't understand for athletes. When an athlete retires, I forgot who said this quote, but it's, but I've heard it many, many times over. When an athlete retires, they die. Oh, wow. Like their athletic life is over. So that's hard. Think, think about that. Think about those of us that are afraid of death in general, just for life. Their athletic life is over. When they say they're retiring, they're basically putting their, their athletic life in a casket. That is not easy for them to do when all their life they have been the athlete. All their life they've been the athlete. All their life that's all they've known to be and do. And that's why you see them be emotional because that's all their life. We are looking at, okay, we're looking at athletes and we say, oh, they've been playing for 18 years, 20 years. And we say, oh man, that's a long time. These guys have been playing for 30 plus years. Since they were kids, this is what they know. This is all they do. And to tell them that it's over or to give the insinuation, you might not be able to do it anymore. You might not be that great anymore. For the great, I mean, for the average athlete, it's tough. You're talking about all-time great athletes. When we talk about Serena, we're talking about Mount Rushmore of greatest athletes in the world. And you think it's gonna be easy for her to just sit there and accept that she might have to call it a quit? You think that's just gonna be acceptable? No. So we, so I wish we would just give these athletes a little great, and, and I'm guilty of it too. But my guilt comes from, I don't like to see all time great players keep playing to the point where they're just sorry. And it's like, why are you doing this? Because for me as a fan, you're now ruining my image that I had of you. Mm. So that's that's what it is for me. Like watching Brett Favre in the last his last season, I hated it. And then the way that his his um, his Iron Man streak ended, I was like, man, it didn't have to go out like that. He got sacked against a dude. I think they were playing. He was playing for the Vikings. I think he was playing Buffalo. Can't even remember the linebacker that hit him. Hit him and um, jammed up his, his arm so bad that his hand turned blue and he couldn't start the next game. Like, that's how you went out. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to see that. I want to see Iron Man Brett Favre go out the way he should have went out, you know? So those are, or watching Jordan in, in the Wizards jersey. Even though he was averaging 20 points a game, but it wasn't the same. It was he just chose like, to do that. He chose. He to chose, but but that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, and that, that's what I'm saying for my thing. When I when I get on players that play past their prime, I don't want to see you do that. But when I watched Serena, Serena didn't look like somebody. I was like, ah, Serena, you might want to hang it up. No, nah, she just looked like she got beat by a younger version of her. That's really all it was. She just got beat by a younger version of her because that because when Serena was in her prime, that was the conversation. How is somebody at that size has that kind of speed and that kind of power? That's all it was. So I'm not looking at Serena as she's done. I'm not looking at it like that. 
it's like the equivalent of you watching your child, which you probably have, which your your time will come. You'll watch your child and, they'll, and, and she'll do something that looks just like you. And you say, when you see yourself coming, don't run. Or she'll give you an attitude back that's like yours. And you'll be like, well, oh, this is me all over again. It ain't. All over again. <laughs> It's, 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 it's basically the same person. Yeah. I'm playing I'm playing a video game against me and I can't beat me because I'm older me. than me now. <laughs> wow, that's an interesting exactly. spin on it. Speaking of video games that are younger and he can't seem to do it again, how he used to do it again, but now he's on a new team. We'll figure out how this goes. We go to the NFL, Tristan. And by the way, before we go to the NFL, make sure you drop those comments down below. Tristan's going to read them. We're going to answer them. Make sure you join us. Four years, people. Nothing has changed. Keep talking to us. We go to the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles agreed to trade quarterback Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third-round draft pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick and a conditional 2022 again second round pick that could turn into a first rounder league sources told ESPN the Eagles will take a 33.8 million dollar dead cap hit the largest dead cap that any team ever has taken for a player while the Colts will assume the balance of Wentz's 128 million dollar guaranteed roster bonus due March 19th Let's revisit Tristan as we remember this trade here. Let's also remember the, the journey Carson Wentz has had. It's been a crazy three cup, three, four years for the brother. In that span of three years, Tristan, he went from being the leading MVP candidate on a team right. that right. went to the Super Bowl to right. arguably the worst full-time starter in the NFL. Yep. And he's only 28. All the yeah. things that accompanied that bizarre journey, the blockbuster contract extension, we all were trying to figure out what that was about. Just yeah. 20 months ago, the injuries and the rapid regression, the drafting of Jalen Hurts, because we got to put that in here, led yeah. to the implosion of what had once looked like a long-term marriage between the Philadelphia Eagles and a true franchise quarterback. How you feeling? Carson Wentz and the Colts. So I have to I have to shout out my guy Steve. And 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 Steve, Steve is someone that has asked to be on the show many times. Steve, we got you, I promise. Steve's okay. got a lot of football knowledge. He he, he played he played football, semi-pro. So he's got a lot of knowledge and he's he's always asking to get on the show. I got you, Steve. I can now, put it on the calendar, baby. Let yeah. me know. I got, I got you. I got you. I just want because I know he's gonna watch this later because he's watching his son. I know he's gonna watch this later. Steve, we got you. I promise. Steve called this. He called it. I want to say last year. He felt that the Eagles should trade Carson Wentz. He said it last year before this last season started. He felt that the Eagles should trade Carson Wentz. At the time, they probably would have gotten a little more um, out for him than what they got from the Colts. Um, with Carson, that 2017 year of uh, that Super Bowl run, well, it was Nick Foles' Super Bowl run, but he he's he's the reason why they had home field advantage, basically. Carson Wentz was on was on pace to have an MVP season. I think everyone knows that he would have won the MVP had he finished the season out. 
Uh, he was playing on that kind of level. He looked unstoppable. He was doing amazing Houdini things. Unfortunately, Mikhail, you and I watched him do it a few times against Washington. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, he, he he was definitely on that pace. And from that point on, it was like he did not progress any higher. Now, I want people to understand is that for the Eagles is that it's not all Carson Wentz's fault. Does he take blame in the whole situation? Absolutely. But the Eagles, it's not talked about enough of how they really fumbled this. You drafted this guy number two overall, okay? You got him on the rookie contract. You you pay for all these veteran guys to come on the team, just take a swing at that chip. And you get it. And then you keep the old guys on the team. Everybody started getting hurt. Who got long in the tooth. Carson Wentz didn't get protection. You didn't get him proper weapons to compensate. I mean, we still got an APB out on Alshon Jeffrey. Like, we, we ain't seen him. We ain't seen him since the Super Bowl. We ain't seen him. You know what I'm saying? Like, Deshaun Jackson, God rest his soul. I mean, God bless him. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, your, your body's like brittle. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with you, bro. You know what I'm saying? So we never got to see the weapons at full disclosure for Carson Wentz to flourish. The offensive line got hurt. Jason Peters, we don't know what's going to happen with him. He might retire. Like, the, they got they got old. Everyone got old around Carson Wentz, and they felt like, well, Carson Wentz, just do what you did in 2017. Well, everything was working in 2017. Alshon Jeffrey was awesome. Aguilar was actually catching passes. You had a running game with Jay Ajayi and, and, and LeGarrette Blount. Your defense was stout. Offensive line, awesome. Everything was working perfectly. And then you started losing people and everybody got old and everybody's like, well, Carson can take us there. And then you realize, oh, we did not develop Carson Wentz. We didn't develop Carson Wentz. We didn't, we didn't put more on him. So now him going to the Colts with the guy who was the head coach, who was the offensive coordinator for that Super Bowl team. The same offensive coordinator that made Carson Wentz look like MVP. You put him on a Colts team that has arguably will probably have the best offensive line in football. You got an up-and-coming star and and then Michael Pittman Jr. at the wide receiver position. We'll see what they do with T.Y. Hilton. He's a free agent right now. Your defense anchored by Darius Leonard is stout. Everybody is young. Everybody is signed. And you got Jonathan Taylor at your running back at your running back. So he's he's now put in a perfect position to now be the, the Carson Wentz that we saw in 2017. Now, if he doesn't, if it doesn't work out for him with the Colts, he's going to end up being a career backup. But the Eagles really fumbled this. You, you, you drafted him number two only four years ago. You drafted him number two. And this okay. is where we're at. That makes no sense. That makes no five years ago. That makes no sense that that this is where we are. In that short amount of time, but 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 let's go back because you said a lot of important things. But let's go back. Let's talk about internally with the Eagles and talk about psycho psych, psychologically with the Eagles because boom, all all steam ahead was pointing to the MVP. It was right. pointing to the championship that year in 2017. Right. It was, right. it was all, it was full steam ahead, and then boom, 
he gets injured. And then he has to sit and watch Nick Foles come out of nowhere because nobody knew he would emerge to that degree, come out right. of nowhere and win the Super Bowl that he should have had. Right. Then they let go of Nick Foles because Nick Foles at this point thinks he's bigger and badder and everything. He got this chip. He ready to go. He ready to have his own team. So now you bring Carson Wentz back. Your way of making him feel like, or at least trying to mask what happened last year, is giving right. him money that he did not deserve because he had not played for it, which also the Eagles, and I know you would agree with this, the Eagles need to take responsibility for these contracts we get later to people that don't deserve. Jared Goff's contract is the Eagles' problem because you give Carson yes. Wentz that money, and now you got to give Jared Goff, now you give Jared Goff that money. You're giving guys that don't, 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 it's like, where did he get off getting this contract? And then we have Dak Prescott who couldn't get anything. The so, Rams, the, the Rams ruined it for everybody when they gave Jared Goff that contract. They ruined it for everybody. So here we are with the Eagles. Carson Wentz gets that money. He comes back in. Everybody's used to Nick Foles in that locker room. And now you're having those same guys that believed in him before. They're seeing the end of their career. They're, not, they're Or some of them probably are thinking, I've already gotten what I want. What more am I playing for? He can't build a, he can't build the offensive line with um to, to believe in him again. He can't bring that locker room back together again. It always seems like nobody did anybody even care. And if he cared, he can't get he can't get them together because they weren't used to him anymore. Where do we speak on that? And now his departure. Not being able to re resurge that and get that same situation together. And how much did that harm him though? How much did that cause an issue to not be able to be that same guy in Philadelphia? And can't and you couldn't get it. You can't. You couldn't get these guys back into your corner, and you couldn't get it done. That injury. How much did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it shock him coming back? Well, I don't think it's so much the injury that shocked him. I think his lack of leadership. You know, when he wasn't playing, uh, there were reports about how he acted when he, you know, and he wasn't even on the field, but still wanted to be treated like this special commodity. It's like, dude, we understand that you're the starter when healthy we understand that what you can that you're talented but come on bro you're still young in this game you got veterans that are looking at you crazy because you're not exemplifying leadership and that's why i said carson wentz has to take responsibility also because you didn't handle the situation the best way you could you found out that jalen hurts was going to be the starter you you automatically put out there that you went out of philly you didn't even try you didn't even try to compete you didn't try to work and get it you know what I'm saying? So, and and in a in a city like Philadelphia, I mean, come on, you you gotta have some grit. You gotta have some heart. You know what I'm saying? And you didn't show that, and 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 it showed on the field. You know, the team. You could tell that the team just didn't follow him. They didn't believe. You know, and it's hard to be successful when when your team is like that. So that's why I say he has to take part of responsibility on it. But the organization, the Eagles organization, really really fumbled the bag. I mean, they got a Super Bowl. I understand that they got a Super Bowl championship, but man, this this should have been this this should have been a team that was going to be successful for a, a long time. And now, uh, you know, I mean, it's a bunch of question marks. Can Jalen Hurts be the guy? I hope so. I root for black quarterbacks. I root for everybody black. Shout out to Issa Rae. You know what I'm saying? I you know so, I you know I want him to be successful. We don't know anything about this new coach. You fired Doug Peterson after 
We looked at him as a genius, but you, then you fired him. So we don't know what this team's going to look like for this new season. You always speak and you always say, Tristan, you when you see your window, take it. One thing you got to say about the Eagles, they knew that was the time for them to they do took it, it. And they did it. Absolutely. But now what? Now we're starting from what? And it's, it's only like been a short amount again. of years. It's not like it's been. <laughs> exactly. Like when we see when we saw how bad New England was this year, you're like, okay, you give them a mulligan. They've been killing it for 20 years. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys only were relevant really in the past four or five years, and it just gone again. You know, it's crazy. Relevant. I mean, I, I mean, as I guess my internal Washington football team Redskin clock will always say the Eagles are relevant because Shady McCoy ran up our asses. How long? And Deshaun Jackson, I was afraid of him back there. And freaking um, my guy, I'm looking right at him. I can't get it. I can't get it. I'm going to get it later. It's going to come to me. But I'm looking at all of them. Jeremiah Trotter. Woo -woo. I'm, looking at, I'm looking at them guys and I'm like, well, shoot, you took it back with Jeremiah Trotter. It's been relevancy, all right. But I guess to that degree of relevancy, Donovan McNabb, freaking uh, Terrell, and to that type of relevancy, it's a whole totally different thing. I get it, okay. Brian Westbrook. I mean, if we could go, we can go on this list. The list can go on and on of Eagles that, although we hate them, we appreciate them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. If you're tuning in, you're tuning into your favorite sports podcast, Rolling the Airways, Rolling with Ramos. I'm Mikhail. That's Tristan. Episode 112. Follow them things. I got to get it right. Follow them things because we are four years old today. Again, make sure you talk to us. Drop those comments down below. We're watching. We're listening. We keep straight in the NFL, Tristan, because we talk about another guy whose future they always seem to put in the balance. But I, also, I feel like he wasn't given a proper chance. But first, we talk about something that went viral. We love a viral, a good viral video and a good viral story. Well, here we go, courtesy of Cam Newton. This video of a high school, him going back and forth with a high school student, a high school student that was at his camp, invited to his camp. You disrespect him in this manner. I don't understand. But anyway. A high school football player who was seen on a video trash talking Cam Newton has apologized to the 2015 NFL Most Valuable Player after the exchange between them went viral. An abbreviated part of the video in which Newton was reportedly taunted as a free agent to be who was about to be poor sparked passionate reaction from Newton's NFL peers. It occurred at a seven on seven football tournament with Newton coaching his longtime team through his charitable foundation. The player, Joseph Owens of Perkman Valley High School in Pennsylvania asked for forgiveness as part of a written apology on Twitter. First and foremost, I want to express my deepest apologies to Cam Newton, my entire organization and to my coaches for my actions at the seven versus seven tournament this past weekend. I did not intend for it to get as far as it did. First, I would like to start off by saying my parents never taught me to be taught me to be to be people to my parents never taught me to be people that was disrespectful as a football player I let my competitive side get the best of me and it was a huge misconception it was in the midst of the moment and I realize now how a lot of you took it as disrespect I never meant to humiliate and let anyone down 
I'm very appreciative for seven versus seven to even allow me to be a part of the community and allow me to be a part of the team I am currently on. I realize this can dictate my future as a young man having big dreams slash goals, but I will not allow this to stop me from getting where I need to be. So again, I apologize and I hope I can be forgiven. And all that, I didn't hear anything towards Cam Newton. I'm still, you didn't personally say anything to Cam Newton. Let's talk about the video first, and then we'll talk about his future in the NFL that seems to be so in limbo that I cannot understand why it's in limbo. Because when you look at Cam Newton's resume, how can it be in limbo? And the comments that he makes, I'd be damned if you're taking me on, making me a backup too. But anyways, that video, Tristan, I was disturbed. How about you? I was so disturbed. I was so irritated. Let me let me let me let me say this. Let me say this first. As a black man, for what we all have to overcome as a black man in this society, what we have to go through on a day-to-day -day basis, what we have to prove ourselves to the masters that we belong in whatever field that we're in. It doesn't have to be just in sports. It could be in your office or whatever, but black men always got to prove that they belong in the spaces that they're in, always. And one of the most disheartening things you can see is when someone that looks like you tries to demean you and embarrass you someone that should be looking up to what you do is trying to demean you and embarrass you. It's beyond anything in regards to sports. It's, it really is. It's, it's, it's beyond that. I don't even, you know, and, and, and you know, Jalen Rose said it beautifully this morning um, on, on Get Up and said, we, we, we don't even have to go on the fact of Cam Newton being an MVP in the NFL. We don't have to go on the fact of Cam Newton going undefeated in college, winning the national championship, winning the Heisman Trophy. We don't have to. We don't have to talk about that. The fact that this young man felt that he had enough, he had Ammo. enough boldness to be so disrespectful, to say you're a free agent, you're a free agent. You're not even in the league, bro. We don't know. You're still a teenager. You don't even you know how many people are like you that want to be here at my camp. We don't know what you're gonna do after high school. You could be you could be the star right now, and it can go just like that. Who says you're gonna be in the league? Did anybody call you a football prodigy? Did anybody say that you will be the next great? Did anybody rank you number one in the country? No. So how dare you? You want to be where I'm at. You want to be where I'm at. You want to have my resume. You want you want to be a free agent in the NFL. Because I played the game. And I played it at its highest peak. I got to a Super Bowl. And the fact that in his own camp, Cam felt that he had to defend himself against a teenage boy is the most disrespect. I, 
I really can't recall a player that gets more disrespect than Cam Newton. And I could be prisoner of the moment. Maybe I have, maybe if I sit down and think about it, I'll be like, okay, yeah. But I really don't know another player that gets outward disrespect the way Cam Newton does. And he's not even a bad guy. He hasn't done anything wrong. He plays the game with his heart on his sleeve. He does everything he can do. And I just don't understand the disrespect that Cam gets. I really don't know where it comes from. I I, I wish I knew who this person's parents were. Because I could be like, how did y'all, how did, how did he even think to do that? How did he even think to do that? We've had we've had guys that played in the NFL that weren't even stars on the show. And we were adults and we still paid them the respect because they got there. There's only 256 guys that get drafted every year. Cam Newton was number one. How does he get disrespected like that? It makes it it, it was so. I couldn't even make it a joke. I couldn't, it was just so disheartening to see that. It really was. He only asked him, what did he do? You know, they're going back and forth. Yeah, we can talk about the competitive nature. When I watched the beginning of the video, yeah, they're going back and forth. They talking smack about each other teams. And he says, I didn't see you, what have you done? And the kid just went this way with it. And to watch Cam Newton's reaction, the coaches got involved. He said, I'm just trying to talk to him. I just asked the question because really we were talking gingerly. We were talking fine before he went off. And now everybody's looking at us because he's going off, but I haven't changed my tone. I haven't changed anything. What would have been, and he didn't disrespect him back. That's one thing because at his camp, he could have, because you're sitting on something that if I didn't sign off, you wouldn't be sitting here. That's right. What would have been the backlash if he would have handed it back to him? Oh, my God. We wouldn't even be talking about anything else. We'd have talked about the immaturity of Cam. We'd have been like, oh, we thought he grew up. He didn't grow up at all. He's still immature, Cam Newton. He's still this, that, and the third. And honestly, I've never even seen a point where he was immature in his entire career. I guess if we're talking back, if I'm being a little personal here, and granted, I knew what he was saying. But for him to say it the way he said, he said it, the context, that whole women's locker room thing, you know what a first down, you know what a running around is. That was a little bit egregious for me because- I didn't understand that. I, I, I just, I get what you were saying. I To him, he was saying, damn girl, check you out. But on the other end, it was like, this, uh, this should be a normal out, thing to you. This shouldn't be How a- came out, didn't come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was the way he said it. And he lost a lot because of that. He did. And you can obviously see the transgression because that Cam Newton would have said something different to this kid. But back to your point, if he would have if he would have handed it back, it, it'd have been backlash galore all week, all week. It would have been backlash. I mean, he probably would never see. He probably. It, it, it'd probably be the, the nail in the coffin for his career. I mean, it just, and, and it's unfortunate that that's the reality, but it is. I mean, it's just, that's where we're at. 
it would have been it would have been terrible. It'd have been terrible for him. It'd have been terrible for him. I'm glad. I'm glad he showed restraint. You know, the other the video the video when the dude was calling him free agent, all he all he said to him was, "Where's your where your folks? Where your pops at? Where where your dad at? Let me let me talk to an adult. Where where your folks at? You know, and and was trying to make light of the situation, but even with the apology, that's crap. I need another. No, there's a difference between competitive nature and just being disrespectful. You were out of pocket. You were out of pocket. You were disrespectful. You weren't be, you weren't channeling your competitive nature. You weren't even you weren't even dressed. You weren't even in pads. You weren't in you didn't have on shocks. You didn't have on cleats. Nothing. You were in sweats. You talking about competitive nature. Get out of here. Get out of here. You were disrespectful. You were disrespectful. And I hope you can learn from it. I hope you can grow from it. But man, you in this, in this moment in time in our lives, that was something not to see. That should have never happened. We need to be able to come together. You as a black man should appreciate what Cam Newton is doing for you by being at this camp. It was, that was a, that was a, a bit of an L that we took as black men, as black people, that was a bit of an L. And people might say, oh, you're being dramatic. No, in the context of where we are in society, that was an L for us, for sure. I agree with you because little black boys are supposed to be able to look up to Cam Newton and you're standing in front of him. I don't care if he's a free agent, he's a free agent in NFL, something you're aspiring to be. In this social media, because one click away brought us to that viral video. So let me, what, 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 will it follow him? Can it follow let me, him? Let me even, let me even make this, let me even make this a deeper thing. And people might say, well, you're going too far. No, I'm, let me, let me be clear. We will not appreciate Cam Newton the way we should until he's done. Another one. And it's not on the grand scheme of like how we look at Colin Kaepernick or anything like that, but Un, let's, let, let me un, let me explain this. When we had the Warren Moons of the world, the Randall Cunninghams, the Donovan McNabs, the Steve McNairs, the Cordell Stewarts, all these black quarterbacks, they all were black quarterbacks that had skills that a lot of these white quarterbacks didn't have. But when it came to how they represented the brand, they tried to mimic the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, the Dan Marino's, the Drew Breeses. They try to mimic them. You be clean cut, you be suited and booted, you say all the right things, you do all the right things, and you go about your business. That's what was happening. Even Warren Moon, to break the barrier for the the success of a of a black QB, had to present himself in a clean cut way. When Michael Vick came into the scene with the cornrows out of the helmet, going into the press conferences with sweats, do rag, and we were like, man, 
He's like the Allen Iverson of the NFL. But then when he went to jail and it came back out, clean. Mm. He had to conform in order to re rebuild his career, had to conform into what NFL ultimately wanted you to be. Cam Newton has not done that. Cam Newton has come into the league and said, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. You take it or leave it. And is unapologetic about it. And because of Cam Newton, partially because of Michael Vick, but majorly because of Cam Newton and his unapologetic way of being a starting quarterback in the NFL, his way, we get the Lamar Jacksons. Mm -hmm. We get the Deshaun Watsons. We get Jalen Hurts throwing up the hook sign for Omega Sapphire on the sideline. We get the swagger because of Cam. Cam said, I don't got, I don't have to be like Peyton. I ain't got to be like Tom Brady. I don't have to be like Drew Brees, but I could play with the best of them though. Yeah. And still be me. That's what Cam did for black boys that want to play quarterback in the NFL. You can be you and do your thing and have your swagger and be great. And they will still love you. But he pays for it every time because he has to make sure that he's flawless and he pays for it. And people don't realize how much he pays for it every single time. Yeah. When they when he put the towel over his head, everybody talking about, oh, he's a he's a sore loser or he's a powder or he is not a leader. And that's always been his thing since at Auburn. He just likes to put the towel over his head. Sometimes he likes to put the towel over his head and kind of refocus and channel whatever he's got to channel. We criticize him for that. But when Tom Brady goes on a tirade on the sideline and then sits alone at the bench and has his head down, we're like, oh yeah, that's just Tom Brady getting into the game, getting in his zone. That's what we have to deal with. For the white quarterbacks, it's passion. For the black quarterback, we're out of control. And Cam Newton said, no. No, no, no. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to be me. And you got to take it or leave it. And we have not appreciated Cam enough for being like that. Because like I said, we get the Deshaun Watsons. We get the Lamar Jacksons that can be swagged out, that can have their character, be who they are, have that personality, and say, I'm a starting NFL quarterback. And I didn't have to conform to anything. They couldn't even find nothing when he was winning. And that pissed them off even more. He dabbed exactly. his ass off and they were so mad that they couldn't find nothing because they were winning. So they allowed it. What's what, the, the angry black man syndrome in the NFL? Because you know what, all, everything you made me think about too, because you're so spot on with what you're saying. It made me think of Des Bryant and how unfortunate the thought of what his behavior was kind of caused him to be ousted in the Cowboys and not for it because that was shouldn't have been the last place Des Bryant ended up You're but not. he's on the sideline we're down five with a minute to go y'all just chalking it up to whatever and I'm like come on let's go and it makes it look like I'm a problem on the sideline because of my what what is the difference between competitive nature on one scale of the of of, of the race and one and the other it, it I mean and to the degree of when something happens on the field, 
and Tom Brady goes off on an opposing player and we and we call out oh I think he called us he called me a name or something that he wasn't supposed to call me Vashti said it perfectly last week for him to apologize and we need that publicly for him to apologize he said something wrong but this is the person you need to also see you don't need to see the drunk Tom Brady having a good time celebrating on the boat, blah, blah, blah. You need to see that guy and also revere revere that guy as much as you respect him. It's unfortunate, Tristan. And what's also unfortunate is we have to talk about the future of Cam Newton in the NFL because he spent the 2020 season on the New England Patriots side of the field, as we all know. After nine seasons with the Carolina Panthers, he was scheduled to become an unrestricted, unrestricted free agent, what that little kid was alluding to. That seemed to have happened yesterday. So, via the I Am Athlete podcast, he said he has no plans to retire. And, I'm, and, and part of me is like, I don't know why everybody's expecting him to say something other than that. But um, he says he has no plans to retire. He says, hell no. And this is it, Tristan. Hell no, I can't go out like that, he said, in reference to his up and down 2020 season in which the Patriots were 79. I hear all of that talk. My pride won't allow me to do it. And this is the statement that, the truest of statements he said. There are 32 guys better than me. That's right. Make no mistake about it. I'm coming for everything 2020 took from me. No excuses, no sobbing, and definitely no blaming which he should be able to look at that front office in New England and look at Bill Belichick and say, look, damn it, Tom Brady's gone. I'm your guy. Put something around me. He did not do that properly. No blaming. I need to do better. If you're asking me if I want to be a backup, because I don't know how Cam Newton is a backup in this league, he said, hell no again. Newton also said he'd be open to returning to the Patriots on a one-year deal he said, yes, hell yes, I'm getting tired of changing teams. He does say hell no to the thought of being a backup. As we know, his resume is Heisman winner, national championship winner, NFL MVP, Super Bowl appearance. He is the Panthers' all-time leader in pass yards and pass rush touchdowns. I'd be and damned if I'm a backup. Touchdowns. Yes, I'd be damned if I'm a backup. And for you he to rushed. think I could be a backup. <laughs> oh, he right. You're right. And I watched I watched that episode last night. Um actually shortly after talking to you, I watched that episode last night and I sat there and listened. It's absolutely right. It's Cam Newton. I want people to I've never seen this. I've never seen this before. MVP of the league, rookie of the year, was voted by his peers at one point of being the best player in football we're not that removed from that we're we're not we're not that removed from that version of cam has he had injuries yes has he had poor play absolutely but you mean to tell me we're not going to give a guy who's only what 30 what is what is 32 33 years old so you mean to tell me we're not going to give a guy that's 32 33 years old an opportunity to revitalize himself and Carson Wentz can get a career, he can get all that money in. <laughs> We're saying that he's washed. It's Cam Newton. It's Cam Newton. I listen. Tell me a quarterback that was going to be able to go into New England. You had 
nine players opt out. Four of them were your starting defensive players on the defensive side of the ball. Julian Edelman, who was probably going to be your primary target, was hurt majority of the season. Nikhil Harry still hasn't found his footing with the Patriots. No tight end. Your offensive line was in shambles. You caught COVID, missed two, three weeks of the season due to COVID. Did not have an offseason to learn anything because of COVID. You barely had a training camp because they assigned you late. So you didn't get to learn anything because of COVID. You tell me a QB that was going to go into that situation under those circumstances and was going to do any better than what Cam Newton did. Tell me a QB who was going to be able to do that. You can't. You can't give me a quarterback that was going to be in that situation and do what he did. You, you're not. You're not going to tell me a quarterback that can do that. Why do you think Tom Brady said, hey, deuces, you think that was Bill Belichick's call? No. If Tom Brady said, hey, I want to come back, Robert Kraft is making sure he come back. There was nothing Bill Belichick could have done to make Tom Brady go away. Tom Brady said, I'm out. Because I can't work with that. What do you want me to do? And Cam Newton took a chance. And even, and even, and if you guys haven't watched it, I'm telling you, I am an athlete on YouTube. It's awesome. Shout out to Brandon Marshall. Shout out to Fred Taylor, who's a real OG, and, and Chad Ochocinco. They said it. He took the hardest job in the NFL because he took a job going to New England, who are used to winning, used to championships, going behind the GOAT and Tom Brady with no weapons. That's what you did in a COVID season. That's what you did. That was the hardest job in the NFL. And Cam Newton still got them to seven and nine. He still got them to seven wins. Come on, I'm not, I understand that he might not be quite the Superman that we saw early on. He might not be Mr. Dab. He might not be that guy. I get it. But you're not going to tell me that Cam is completely washed. You're not going to tell me that. It's disrespectful. Cam Newton is coming back, and I pray he puts himself in a good position, or at least if he goes back to New England, they got the salary cap space, spend some money, get some weapons, get an offensive line, do what you have to do, and 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 let's, let's see Cam be Cam. Speaking of wax on, wax on, and we go to the NBA. This is where we finish to go, the show. Again, wax on, wax off. I have never spent that much time talking about the Wizards ever. I, we've had consecutive shows where we've discussed the state of the Washington Wizards, and I don't know if it because Russell Westbrook came along and it up the ante. So now the media is so involved in the Washington Wizards. When they were really down weird. and really out, the media was not in disinvolved in the Washington Wizards. They are in Bleacher Report, they on ESPN, every statement Bradley Bill makes, it's noted. When they were nothing, nobody was talking about the inability of the Wizards. It's, it's like it's kind of like the Washington football team and the Wizards in the nation's capital changed places. 
because no matter good or bad, whatever the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins did, they were always in the news for not being able to get it done. And here we go now talking about the Wizards and their ability to make it happen or not make it happen bi-weekly. <laughs> right. But Tristan, it seems like the last time we spoke, everything's getting a little bit better. This time they went, they're going five straight. Five and, straight. Uh, a straight in which they beat the Lakers. I mean, and then Bradley Bill's recorded time in this span, 35 points, 37 points, 25 points, 37 points, 33 points. When asked how he feels to win five straight, he said different. He's also an all-star. If you guys are expecting us to talk about the all-star, the reserves, the snubs, the starters, we got you next week. There's some news that came out, and we couldn't do it right away. Sometimes we can't. But uh, the Wizards, Tristan, <laughs> here we go again. Welcome to Happy Land for this week. Let's just enjoy it for what it is right now. <laughs> I'm not going to sip that Kool-Aid. I'm not sipping that drink at all. Um, let's just let's just enjoy the ride. Let's just enjoy where we're at right now. They're they're they've won five straight games. They're they're showing confidence. Hey, let's let's go with it. But I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid, making it seem like as if they're gonna go on this incredible run. Um, if they want to make me a believer, by all means. Hey, uh, you know I'm for that. But you know, as of right now, no, I'm not looking at that um, that way at all. Um, I will say this though. Um, because I trash him as much as I can, I'm going to give credit when it's due. Scott Brooks changing the starting lineup. Great job. You've been it's winning since you changed it. Because Scott Brooks. <laughs> but, hey, they've been 5 0 since he changed it. Put Mo Wagner in the starting position. That, it's been it's looked good it's looked good but it's not i still in the east alone joel and b looking like the mvp of the league right now with the 76 still got to deal with boston even though boston it's like jekyll and hyde sometimes i don't know what's going on brad stevens you need to reel your team back in but i still go i still put boston over them i of course brooklyn i mean brooklyn's over everybody in the east right now you know, um, even though my, Milwaukee's been in this skid, I think they'll figure it out. You know, so that's what I, I just reeled off without thinking, like, what, four teams, you know, that I would put above the Wizards still. So I'm not, I'm not going to sip that Kool-Aid. Again, if they want to make me a, a, a believer, hey, hey, I'm cool. If they want to prove me wrong, I'm all for it. But I'm not sipping that Kool-Aid like everybody else is. I'm just, I'm just not. Like, it is good. I'm glad that it's happening right now, but. You rattled off about four or five teams. That's a, that's still seventh, eighth seed. That, but isn't that even... what they are though? But perpetually, that's really, that's really what they are. Seven, eight, they've always hung around there. Seven, eight seed. They've always, that's nothing new. We were, we were like that with John Wall and Bill. That is nothing new. That's where they've always been. That fifth, that fifth, sixty was a surprise. But <laughs> thank you, exactly. That was just that was a that was the Wizards' special year. You know when everybody got a special year? That was their special year. 
not even going into the all-star break. <laughs> nope. I'm just happy that Bill is finally getting the respect that he deserves. Right now, he, I think he's the leading scorer in the NBA. He's like still he's racing getting, a whole bunch of years, brother. It, they did, but it's just, you know, at least the league is on notice that Bradley Beal is the real deal. And yeah. I'm glad he's getting his respect. And I am I am disturbed about some of these all-star snubs. I am disturbed about a couple of them. Well, one being Devin Booker, but we'll talk about that next week. Well, that, that's, that's the main one for me. I'm going to just leave you on that beyond. cliffhanger. What's that? What's that dude? What's that dude named? Ha Ha Davis. That's beyond me. That's ah. beyond me. Ah. I, I don't understand. Well, we close another show. We begin a new chapter in a new year, Tristan. Episode 112, the four-year anniversary edition. If anybody talked to us, please let me know. What did they have to say? It was mostly, it was mostly congratulations. Everybody was congratulating us on four Oh, years come years. on. Thank you, though. <laughs> <laughs> we love it, though. We love y'all. We appreciate you for the congrats. We really do. We will see you next week. We, I, I figure, you know, we've had so many guests. We need... We needed some you and me time for this one. This is this was something that we needed to do together. Next sure, week we'll be like we will, Yes, next week we will have somebody new, somebody else fresh to bring some perspective. We will talk next week. I told you already we're gonna talk about the all-star. Before we leave, prayers go to Tiger Woods, another goat. Oh yes, man. Glad that everything's not life-threatening, but to yeah. hear that his car rolled over. And he's in the hospital and surgery and boom, boom, boom. Now you start thinking Absolutely. about that back again and his comeback, if it comes back again. But in, in true essence, we're grateful that we still have him here with us and that he is going yeah. to be okay. Because that was not the news you wanted to hear today. Yeah. So For sure. Praise to him, praise to his family. Absolutely. Exactly. And I'm saying, like I said, every week, I don't care if I don't care if it does not rhyme to still my I'm Mikhail, like Kevin Mikhail, Tristan, baby, brother, the background, us, <laughs> we, we will see you next week. America, peace. Indeed. Peace. <laughs>